Corinthians chapter 6, and <clears throat> we're going to be here, and then we're going to go to the book of Acts and be in various various places in the in the book of Acts and uh, tonight, and uh, I'm looking forward to starting a new series here in just a couple weeks, but um, uh, tonight uh, I want to preach here on just a, the title of it is Living Out Your Name, Living Out Your Name out of 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14, familiar passage of scripture, it says, be ye not, not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and, I, and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Would you read verse 17 aloud with me? Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. First Peter 2, 9 through 10 says this, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light, which in times past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Colossians 1.13 says, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Aren't you thankful for what God did for you at salvation? Uh, for me, it was May of 1995. It was a Wednesday night, as I've mentioned before. My, my dad, I spoke with him on the phone today, and he was just finishing up some things for his services there tonight at Marion. And he was preaching out of 1 John. I don't remember the services but I, or the message specifically, but I remember the Lord speaking to my heart uh, just about being sure that I was saved. And uh, that night I went forward and I trusted Christ as my Savior and got baptized the same night, as I mentioned earlier, in a cold baptistry tank, all right, cold baptistry tank, not ready to go on a Wednesday night. But uh, I'm thankful for, the, for that night, that night that I came to know Christ as my Savior and what God did in my heart. Uh, there's a verse 17 here that we just read. It says, wherefore, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. I'm thankful for how God called us out. I think of Ephesians chapter 2, the Lord speaks about our condition before salvation, dead in trespasses of sin, and uh, we were children of disobedience and of wrath, and all that God says about the moment that we were saved, about before we were saved. And yet the moment we were saved, God called us out and made us something different. To as many as received him, to them gave you the power to become the sons of God. God changed us. He called us out and made us something different and give it, gave us a new name. We sing the song, there's a new name written down in glory. There's a verse in Revelations where it talks about the Lord puts our names on a stone that only he knows. And uh, I'm thankful for the fact that I've got a home in heaven and a relationship with the Lord. May, or I'm sorry, June of uh, June 3rd, 1980, I came into this world. The first name I had is the one I still have. All right. Seth Jonathan Hahn. All right. Seth Jonathan Hahn. Now I've been called a lot of other things. All right. Some of them good things and some of them bad things. All right. My uncle growing up used to call me Seth Rowe Pugh. All right. Don't you do it. Those are fighting words. They were then and they haven't changed. All right. And, uh, I, my grandma at times called me a pot stirrer. All right. <laughs> 
and she would call me a pot stir. So I was just in there causing trouble. All right. And, uh, but you know, different things. My children call me dad or uh, Nathaniel just started calling me dad. That's a transition. You're not looking forward to it was daddy. And re- recently he said, dad, I thought, boy, you need to change that and go right back to three. All right. And we've been called all different things, different names uh, that we have. And I think of the names of God. God in the, in the scripture gives us names that he's called in the Greek and the Hebrew that, that really speak of his nature and his character. Elohim, that first time his name is used in the book of Genesis there, Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God. It's used in the plural form. It's speaking of God the Father, God the Son, and, and God the Holy Spirit. There's Jehovah, the self-existent one. There's name after name after name that, uh, for the Lord, and they all speak of his nature and his character, and I'm thankful for them. We get called different things. We've probably all heard the statement, maybe from someone at one time, live up, uh, live up to, you need to make sure you live up to your name. Anybody ever heard that, that statement? And I've got a good heritage. I've, I've heard that statement. But when it comes to being a Christian and what God has done for us at salvation, there is no living up to our name. There's only living out your name. I like the verse in Galatians where it says this. It says in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul would say, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. When it comes to what the Lord calls us in Scripture, you don't, you don't live up to it, you live it out. In other words, it's not something that I do, it's something the Lord does in us and through us, isn't it? Something He did for us at salvation, it's something He continues to do in our life. I was just thinking about some of the names that God has given to the Christian in Scripture and given to those who have called upon his name. And I want to look at some of those tonight. And so we're going to be in the book of Acts. And if you go ahead to book, the book of Acts, and you'll see one of the first ones in Acts chapter 5. And we'll be in various places in Scripture, but we'll be in the book of Acts for the bulk of it. But Acts chapter 5, go ahead to Acts chapter 5 and verse 12. And we see one of the first names given to those who would follow Christ, the Christians, in Acts chapter 5 and verse 12, it says this, And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest durst no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. And then here it is, And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and women, and believers... Boy, believer could be the first thing to describe you. If you're not a believer, you're not a child of God, are you? Believers. God calls us believers in his word. It's a name given to his people to describe us. In 1 Timothy 4.12, Paul would give Timothy this instruction. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word and conversation and charity and spirit in faith and impurity. The uh, matter of fact, over and over again through the scripture, through the book of Acts, it'll refer to the people of God as believers. Uh, it describes who we are. It, it gives us that expectation of what the Lord would have for us. It describes how we became a Christian. The, t- the name believer implies it speaks to the Christian's convictions, doesn't it? it speaks to our convictions. Bible says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them which diligently seek him. There is this reality that God and his word speaks of who we are by calling us believers saying this number one, we believe in who he is. 
It's what changed our future, isn't it? That moment for me in May of 1995 at Madeira Baptist Church when I put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Up until that moment, if you had asked Jesus if I knew who Jesus was, I could give you a very clear answer. I had grown up around church. I had been taught it in my education. I, I knew who the Lord Jesus was. I could describe it to you. I could quote to you the plan of salvation. I was taught that and how to deliver it. And I could tell all of those things. But that night, something changed. It wasn't just that Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. It was that he died for the sins of Seth Han. And I put my faith in who the Lord Jesus Christ was. I put my faith in that he was the son of God, that he, lived, that he came to this earth, born a little manger in Bethlehem, lived his life without sin, and died on that cross, and rose again three days later, all for me. And that night, I became a believer. I put my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you look back at the moment when you trusted Christ as your personal savior? You know, when I share the gospel with someone, I'm not looking for someone to tell me that they give me the statistics of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm asking them, have you believed in him? Has it changed your life? You can, know, you can know about him and not know him. You can have a, a, a mental understanding, an intellectual understanding of who Christ is, and it not change your life. A secular world has studied that Bible, and you, or the, it's, it's in terms of history, it's one of the most impactful books in all of history, and people have studied it over. But if you don't believe in him as your personal Savior, you have nothing. A believer. Are you, God gives us the title, The Believers. Called us out from this world. It made us different. A believer in the, our faith in God, but not only that, our faith in his word. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God uh, must believe that he is and that he's a what? Rewarder of them which diligently, what? Seek him. How do we seek out the Lord? In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And the word what? was God. Where do I seek out God? I seek him out in his word. What does he reward? He rewards the Christian who lives according to his word. A believer. What separates us when God said, come out, I think of this. If you, if you think about who you were, God called us out of something, but what does that make me now? Someone who's called out from the world, someone who's put their trust in Christ, they've really left everything behind they knew. Right? They were born again. Their whole nature was changed. Their name was changed. They were translated from darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. Their life was changed. But what does that make us now? It defines us as believers. Believers in him, in him and in his word. A believer in God's word just takes God's word for what it says and seeks out God in it and lives it. Lives it. It's how we know God. It's what God calls us. A believer. I'm going to tell you this. A believer not only believes in God, but believes in this book. The Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the what? The word of God. It is not random un, uh, uh, faith based on nothing, but it is a faith resting in who Christ is, and we understand who he is by what is said about him in his word. 
He calls us believers. Not only does he call us believers, he calls us, if you skip ahead to chapter 6 and verse 3, look at what we see here. It says here in chapter 6 and verse 3, the second word of verse 3, Wherefore, what? Brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and of wisdom, whom we have appointed over this business. Now, you know this chapter. This chapter is when the Lord first gives that office of deacon to the church and the care of the widows and the things of that nature in the church and the responsibility. But what he said there is he said, seek out seven men of good report. Brethren is what he said. Brethren. If, if being a believer speaks of our conviction, brethren speaks of our company, doesn't it? It speaks of the company of those that are around us. Romans 12, 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. God speaks of the company and, and who, we, who we are and who we're among. And uh, John 1, 12 says, but as many as received him to them, gave you the power to become the what? The sons of God. Romans eight fourteen through 17 says, For as many as are led of the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and join heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. You know what he says? He says, We're brethren. He's made us his children. I'm a child of God. I'm a son of God. In May of 1995, in Air Baptist Church, I was born again. I'd been born of the flesh or born of water and in, in June of 1980. And, but that day, I was born of the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit of God moved in, sealed me into the day of redemption, and I became a child of God. And I was from a big family of nine, but I became a part of a whole lot bigger family that night. A whole lot bigger family. It speaks of the company, what God has done in our life to take us, as Ephesians chapter 2 says, children of wrath, to become the child, and, or children of wrath and of disobedience in Ephesians 2, to becoming a child of God. Look at what the scripture says, and I think of how the Lord, what the Lord says about this, this new family and he says in, uh, in John, in 1 John, he talks about those who love the brethren, those who love the brethren. He speaks of the love that is there. And a matter of fact, he says, if we don't love the brethren, we're not his. And matter of fact, in John chapter 16, he, he would tell us this. He would say, all men shall know that you're my disciples if ye love the brethren. Why? Because they're family. Family. God has changed our life. Uh, you know, I, I think there's... For the one who doesn't love the family of God, there is, they should check their heart. They should check their heart. Why? Because you were born into a new family. But if you don't love the people of God, there is something wrong. I'm not saying you always agree with the people of God. I'm not saying there's not times you get right with the people of God, but you ought to love the people of God. I love the people of God. Why? Because they're your family. God calls us brethren. Brethren, I, I've, got, I've got three brothers and five sisters, and I promise you this, we do not always see this eye to eye. If my parents did anything, they raised some opinionated children, all right? All right. They did. But I love them. And you know why? They're, they're family, right? Look around you. You ever travel somewhere and go on vacation, and you stop in at a church somewhere, and for some reason you fit in? 
even though it's the first time you've met those folks, family. Family. God changed us. A lost person might show up and feel all at odds and uncomfortable. I think that's the danger in today's world. And matter of fact, some churches have, have made it a business of being a, a, a seeker-sensitive church. I think it was Brother Chapel that said about being a savior-sensitive church. You know, a lost person, if they were to come in here on a Sunday morning, they're probably not going to get it, are they? Why are you singing hymns like Amazing Grace? "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear." What? "'Twas grace my fears to relieve." That makes no sense to me. Praise him, praise him. Jesus, our blessed Redeemer. What is this congregational singing? What is this choir up here? And what is this preaching where our preacher's hollering from this book that's so old? And, and what is it? And they just don't get it. But the moment they come to know Christ as their Savior, something changes. They're born again. And they walk in, and they may not understand it all, but all of a sudden, amazing grace makes sense, doesn't it? Passing a plate and giving an offering, boy, they might have some growing to learn and say, well, just how much am I supposed to give? But something's born in them, something different. There's a desire to give as they have been given. The preaching of the Word of God all of a sudden makes sense, doesn't it? Corinthians speaks about it and what it means to the believer to grow in a knowledge of the Word of God. This thing called an invitation where the Holy Spirit of God speaks to my heart and I somehow respond and humble myself before the Lord, it begins to make sense, doesn't it? Because it's family. God has changed our heart and changed our life. We live in a day and age, I think so many times, churches are getting it backwards. You know the gospel is called, is about going. You know why you go with the gospel? I want to get people here to get saved as well. But if you get them saved out there, when they show up here, it makes sense. It makes sense. Someone's in their heart. The Holy Spirit's of God is in their heart, bearing witness that they're spirit. They're a child of God. And all of a sudden, though it's different, it makes sense. We live in a culture and a world, and many times churches are trying to make this as appealing as they can to lost people. And in doing so, it is no longer appealing to God. This is the assembling of ourselves together. This is the assembling together of the family of God. This is where we assemble to gather, to grow, to be fed, so that we can scatter with the gospel and go into all the world, into our Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, win them to Christ, and all of a sudden family reunions make sense when you're a part of the family. It'd be weird for me to show up at your family reunion, right? I might not get all the inside jokes, right? I not might know which family member to avoid, all right? I mean, I know that, right? I mean, I know that. But if you're a part of the family, you get it. See, this is the family of God. In May of 1995, at Madera Baptist Church in Cincinnati, Ohio, I became a part of the family of God. And though my heart has not always been where it should be, this place has always made sense to me since. The people of God. I may not have always liked every message when it stepped on my toes, but I always knew there was a reason for it. There was someone at work in my heart. I was a part of the family. What does God call us? He doesn't just call us believers. He calls us brethren. Galatians, the Lord would say as much, uh, I'm going to have to give it Galatians chapter, uh, he would say as much as you have opportunity, do good all to all men, especially those of the household of faith. He said, care for your family. 
love the brethren because you are brethren. He calls us brethren. He calls us believers. He calls us brethren. Look at chapter 9 and go ahead to chapter 9. Look what something else he calls us here as, as children of the Lord. In chapter 9 and verse 1, and, and Saul, who would soon be Paul, right? And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the what? Disciples of the Lord went unto the high priest. This is the most prolific of names given to God's people. Disciples calls us disciples. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 7, he says, and upon the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow and continue to speech until midnight. It's well over 200 times that the word disciple is used for God's people. The word, this, that word disciple, it, it speaks of our commitment. If Believer speaks of our conviction, and brethren, uh, brethren there speaks of our company. This one, when it comes to disciples, speaks of our commitment. Remember Peter, when the Lord called him, and uh, the Lord called him, it says he forsook all and what? Followed him. It speaks of our commitment in our life, who we are in pursuit of, and who we are following from, who, and who we are learning from. And matter of fact, he would say it this way in John eight thirty one through thirty two. And then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Being a disciple of Christ, it speaks of our commitment and who I am in pursuit of, who I am following, who I am learning from, and how do I learn from him? I learn from him in, the, in this book called the Bible that he has left for me, and I am in pursuit of the Lord. Everything else fades into the background in light of my Lord, a disciple of Christ, your disciple. We're to be in pursuit of the Lord above all else. And as Peter forsook all and followed the Lord, as his disciples would go to pursue the Lord and sit at his feet and learn from him, hear his teachings and walk in obedience to his faith and, and live for the Lord and serve the Lord, God called us his disciples in the word. And it is the one that is most often used for the Christian in the New Testament. You know, being a disciple is not what, you, what happens for 14 weeks after you get saved or 20 weeks, or however long the discipleship program goes, or, or, or whatever that goes. It's not that. Disciple is a lifelong pursuit of the Christian. We are ever growing to know our Lord better. We are following him. Boy, there might be at the beginning stages some courses and some things to learn, so we might get those basic truths of the Word of God and those basic doctrines and learn how to walk with God and how to share our faith and different things of the Christian life. But being a disciple of the Lord never stops. It never stops. It is a picture of our commitment to the Lord. We pursue Him, that we follow Him, that we learn from Him in His Word. And He said, if you continue in my Word... Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Why do we study? We're a disciple. Search the scriptures. Why do we search the scriptures? Because we're disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why do we meditate, read, and memorize, and study the word of God? Why do we hear it preached, and why do we hear it taught, and why do we try to apply it to our life? Because we are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Never forget who you are. To live out your name. To live out your name, God has called you believer. God has made us brethren. 
God has made his disciples to ever grow in our understanding of his word. And I tell you, your best friend in the world is the Bible that you have in your lap tonight. And the God who authored it. It's how I know him. When I look out in the world, I can see that he is. When I look at creation, there is that general revelation that there must be a creator. When you look at history, there is a general revelation that there must be a God. When you look within, there is a God-sized hole in the heart of man that says there must be a God. And when you look to the word, you see his name. You see who he is and you see what is to come and you see how to follow him and how to pursue him. And as Christians, we become disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, ever growing and ever learning his word and ever pursuing our Savior and ever serving him because we are disciples. We are in his service, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ because we are disciples. He calls us believers. He calls us brethren. He calls us disciples he calls us Christians in, in chapter 11 of the book of Acts. 11, in Acts chapter 11, <clears throat> if you go ahead to verse 26, it says here, it says, And when he had found them, he brought them to Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves uh, with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. First Peter 4.16, Yet if a man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on his behalf. The word Christian is used about three times, either Christian or Christians. That word for it's only used about three times in the, scripture, in the Scripture. It is the most common word that we use to describe who we are, but it means Christ-like, doesn't it? If the word believers describes our convictions, and if the word brethren describes our company, and uh, if the word disciples describes our commitment, the word Christian describes our conduct. First Peter 4.16, yet if any man suffer as a Christian, describes our, our conduct in this Christian life. Romans chapter 8, verses 28 through 29 says this, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. What a tremendous verse. What is that purpose? Verse 29, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. What is that will of God? What is that good will, that good work that God is doing in our life? He is conforming us to the image of his dear son. See, I know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. And here's the good, that God is using it to shape us into his image to make us like Christ. When we use the word Christian, we're, saying, we're speaking of the conduct of a Christian we are striving to be like the Lord. We are allowing him to work in our life, to make our life. We, we know that positionally we are made right with the Lord and we are holy before him. But we're striving to live out that holiness in our life. We're striving to have his motives. We're, we're striving to live for the Lord. And we have humbled ourselves. And, and as the scripture says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good an acceptable and perfect will of God. To say Christian is to speak of our conduct. That our conduct is of such that people look and say, they're like Christ. They're like Christ. 
they spoke and they called them Christians first at Antioch because they looked at him and say, yeah, they follow the Lord. They're like him. They're learning from him. Their life has been changed by him. God calls us Christian. It speaks of our conduct that those around us, without our telling them what we believe, could look and say, they must be a Christian. There's something different in the way they speak. There's something different about their demeanor. There's something different. There's a joy in their life, even in the presence of sorrow. There's something different. They have a love that I don't understand. They, they're avoiding things that the world runs to in terms of sin, and their life is different. They're a Christian. They're living for something that is not of this world. They're not trying to get things out of this world. They're trying to take things from this world and lay them in store in eternity. The treasure is not in earth. It's, it's laid up in store where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt. They're a Christian. Their life is different. Our conduct. It is something that God does in us to shape us and change us to resemble the Lord. It's what it means to be a peculiar people. The word peculiar doesn't mean weird. It means to resemble something specific. In other words, if you were to see my family, you would say, oh, he's a haunt, right? That's just who he is. He can't avoid it. He can't help it. It's, it's in his genes, right? But when they look at us, it's to say, well, they're a Christian. It's who they are. It's what God has done in their life. He's changed them. Their language is different. Their words are different. Their, their life is different. They're, they're a Christian. It speaks of our conduct. Do you have that name? Do you let God live out that name in your life? He's made us believers. He's made us brethren. He's made us disciples. He's, he's, he's made us Christians. He's called us by these names. And he's saying, live them out or let God live them out in you. A Christian. The last one here tonight, I want to look at is chapter 9. We go back to chapter 9 of the book of Acts and speaks much of what God has done for us in Acts chapter 9 and verse 13. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man, speaking of Saul, how much, how much evil he hath done to thy what? Saints at Jerusalem. Romans 1, 7, to all that be in Rome, Paul would write, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It means to be sanctified, to be set apart. God has changed us. 2 Corinthians 5.21, one of my favorite verses in Scripture, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He sanctified us. He set us apart. He took our sin upon him and gave us his righteousness, and he called us his children. He made us uh, a holy, holy generation, a royal priesthood. He made, us, he made us to be disciples and believers and brethren, and he did all of that for us. It is all something that he has done. He has made us a saint of God. When folks in this world think about a saint, they think of the Catholic Church's description. I don't even know all of them, but some of them involve miracles, my friend. Being a saint isn't about a miracle that you may perform. It's about the miracle that Christ has performed in your life at the moment of salvation. And you don't get to be a saint by your own work. You get to be a saint by the work of God. Where God took our sin upon him and gave us the righteousness of God and set us apart. And in that, he said, you are mine. You are my child, bought with a price, the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am no longer my own. I am his, a saint 
sanctified and set apart and a child of God. God has called you out of this world and made you something different, and he did it by the precious blood of his son, a saint of God. It's given me an incredible place in glory, a joint heir of the Lord Jesus Christ. My, my future is sure. I don't know about all my future down here as long as God leaves me, but I know about my future in eternity. I know where I'm headed, and I'm not getting there on my own merit. I'm getting there on the merit and the work of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and what he did for me at Calvary, and he made me his own, and I am a saint of God. And if you've put your trust in the Lord, so are you. Heaven is our home. I love the verses when it talks about being a son of God. And in 1 John 3, 1 through 3, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Amen. And then it says this, And every man that hath this hope in him, purifieth himself, and then this statement, even as he is pure. He said he purifieth himself even as he is pure. What does that even mean? Why are you purifying yourself if you're already pure? He's talking about my position and my practice, isn't he? My position, I am a saint. I belong to him. The precious blood of Jesus Christ is what made me his child and made me a saint of God. And he said, my practice is that if I have this hope in me, that one day I'm going to see him because of all that he's done for me, that my life should have the evidence of being a child of God, a believer. Brethren, disciples, Christian, saint. That's who we are. That's what Christ has done in us. That's what he calls us to not necessarily live up to, but to live out. So you can tell to someone, hey, you need to live up to your name and your human name. And I know what that means. I've got a dad, Ron Hahn. He's back in Marion, Indiana. I got a grandpa, Arnold Hahn. We're joking about it today. My dad's, my dad's name is Ronald Albert Hahn. All right. For some reason, my wife wouldn't let us use and didn't want any of those names on our children. All right. Hope, Dad, I hope you're not listening to this. She just, Ronald Albert, just thought those names were, were his. Now, the last one, she can't avoid. All right. All of them got it. Hahn, it's there. But you can't change it. I, if you were to say you need to live up to your Hahn name, I've got a pretty good idea. In some places, that wasn't all too pretty. Right? Anybody got some of those? Not so great. But live up to believer, live up to brethren, live up to disciple, live up to Christian, live up to saint. That's not something you live up to. That's something you live out. That's something God lives out in us. It's something that I say, Lord, let me live today. I am a believer. Think of a man whose son was possessed with a, the lunatic son. And he said, Lord, I believe. Help thou my what? Unbelief. I've got some mustard seed faith. Strengthen it. I believe in who you are, and I believe your word, so teach me your word, and let me live by faith in your word. A believer. Brethren. Well, I'm a brother. I love being called pastor. I love being called preacher. I love all those things, but I'm a brother. I'm a brother. Let me live like a good brother. 
of God's people. We live that out. Love God's people. Love the assembling of God's people together. It's where we fit because it's the way God made us. Disciple. Lord, I, I want to ever grow. I've been studying his word for all of my life, even before I was Christian. My parents made me study it, Brother Anthony. I didn't really have a choice, right? I remember doing word studies in school and taking out that Strong's Concordance. Now I just type the word into my computer and it comes out, but that Strong's Concordance is about that big, right? Writing verse paraphrases and studying the scripture. But I got a whole lot more to learn until I leave this world behind. I will be ever studying a book that has limitless knowledge because it comes from a limitless God, a disciple of Christ, a Christian. And that one is, dear God, help me. Let me show the love of Christ. Let me have the joy of the Lord in my life. Let me have that peace and that gentleness and that long suffering. Let me have the conduct of a Christian that when someone sees my life, they say, Christian. They see Christ and saint. That one's settled for me, but let me live like it. I want to live like the saint I was made the day that I was saved, not the sinner I was when I came into this world at, in June of 1980. I got some flesh that I'm pulling around, and I want to live like the flesh. I want to walk in the spirit. I want to live as a saint of God, knowing that that is settled for me in glory. We've got the names of God that speak of his nature and his character, and God has given some names for us that should speak of our nature and our character. We are believers. We are brethren. We are disciples. We are Christians. We are saints. Let God live out that in you. Live out the name God has given you. Let's pray. Lord, I love you. And I thank you so much for the scripture. I thank you for the word of God. I'm so thankful for the way you've changed us. Lord, you called us out of the world. I think of those verses where you said, come out from among them and be ye separate. You didn't just call us out of something. You assigned us to something. You didn't just leave us without an identity because of what you called us out of the identity we were before a sinner, but you made us a saint and get, made us a child of God and made of us believers and brethren and just Christians and disciples and saints, and I'm thankful for it. Lord, it's one thing to speak about it on a Wednesday night. It'll be another thing to live it, let it be lived out in us tomorrow, and I pray that it would be. I pray that we would certainly be disciples tomorrow, that we would be, have a Christ-like character in our life. We'd be saints of God. We'd live as saints looking forward to the day we see our Savior. But our faith would be strong as we enter into this world as believers. And we would certainly love the brethren as you've called us to love one another. Heads bowed, nice closed. But as God has spoken to your heart this evening, how many of you say, Preacher, I know that I'm saved. I think of the names that the scripture mentions. And I know those are assigned to me because there is a day that I put my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. If I were to die in it right now, I know that heaven is my home because I've called upon him in salvation. If that's you, would you raise your hand as a testimony? Thank you. you. May put your hand down. Is there anybody here this evening and say, Preacher, I'm unsure about my salvation. When you talk about those names, I, they don't fit me because I don't know Christ. You say, Preacher, that's me, but I, I want that settled tonight. I want to be born again on a Wednesday night. I want to come to know Christ as my Savior. Is there anybody like that? You'd raise your hand and say, Preacher, pray for me. Let me ask you this then, Christian. How many would say, Preacher, the Lord has spoken to my heart. Maybe in one of those names, that Holy Spirit of God touched your heart and said, Trust me, believer, trust me. Hey, brethren, are you loving the person, those folks that are your brethren? <clears throat> Maybe touched your heart and said, hey, you're Christian. Maybe there's a certain area of life that it would, your character, your conduct wouldn't measure with your name. Wouldn't measure with your name. Are you a disciple? Are you in pursuit of Christ? Pursuing him in his word and living for him and serving him. 
Maybe it's just that saint, a focus on the fact that we don't, we are strangers and pilgrims in this world. Our home is in glory. But if you'd say, preacher, the Lord has spoken to my heart this evening. Would you raise your hand as a testimony? Would you stand with me as that piano begins to play, as the invitation is given, as, as God has spoken to your heart, do business with the Lord tonight. And <clears throat> maybe it's just to thank him for the family he's given you, the family of God, or the fact that he made you his saint or made you a believer. And, but as God has spoken to your heart, do business with the Lord this evening.